All right. Now we've been good over uh, telling others about the Lord Jesus Christ. Just a series of lessons on that. And we won't do all the review, but I want to just cover it uh, with you uh, real quickly here. Probably about two or three minutes here. Uh, start to finish. Uh, just a good review is uh, always helpful to the soul. As we began this class about telling others about Jesus Christ, we said there were motives. Motives uh, why we should tell others. And uh, the first one was for their sake. Remember that? For their sake. You can never forget when you tell someone about Jesus Christ, the bottom line is they need the Lord, just like you did and someone told you, right? For their sake. Because without Jesus Christ, they're hopelessly lost in a Christless eternity called hell. The second motive was for his pleasure. For his pleasure. I think sometimes what happens as a Christian, uh, we focus on for their sake, which is a good motive, but we end up making the Lord the villain. But the Lord is the Savior. Sin is the villain, amen? And sin is what puts a person uh, rejecting Jesus Christ and being a sinner is what puts someone in hell. So the second motive, the reason we should tell someone about the Lord is for his pleasure. And of course, the third, which we enjoy probably the most, is for a living church. For a living church. And there is nothing better than seeing someone get saved. We had a number of people saved here in the last two years. And that's a real blessing. Amen. You'd like to see the church grow, not just numerically, but the spiritual church, the spiritual body. Amen. And then, of course, uh, that's motives for telling others about the Lord. And then we covered the truth. (laughs) You know what the truth about telling others is? You say, it's a pain in my neck. Well, you could put that in there, too. But first of all, the truth is it's often inconvenient. It's inconvenient. Uh, The next thing we covered, uh, the truth about telling others, it's troublesome. When you start doing it, you get in trouble. (laughs) You get in trouble with yourself. You get in trouble with your family. Sometimes you get in trouble with the brethren. You get in trouble with your neighbors. You get in trouble with the workplace. It's just troublesome when you tell someone about the Lord. I mean, you could be clipping along just fine, living your life and doing the best you can to read your Bible and pray, and all of a sudden you take that first step to give someone a track or tell someone about the Lord, and it's like the hammer drops. Trouble. We've been, we've been preaching about that Sunday night and Wednesday night. What is it? That's suffering. The Christian life is replete with suffering. Why? Because the Lord suffered, and we're going to suffer too. Well, the last thing uh, we sit here uh, on the trouble part, uh, there, there's four actually. It's contrary to your flesh. I guess that could go with number one. You know why I don't pass out tracts more? You know why I don't witness more? Because it's just not natural. It's not normal. Right? Just like it's not normal, unless you're weird, to get up and just want to eat a pile of vegetables first thing in the morning. Now, some of you, that's okay, but Matt, you're weird. Uh, You also find pleasure in eating sand. Amen? I don't like you like that. But anyways, it's inconvenient. It's troublesome. It's contrary to your flesh. Uh, some of the stuff people eat is crazy, man. But telling someone about the Lord and witnessing to someone, it's inconvenient. It's troublesome. It's contrary to the flesh. But you know where we're going here. It must be done. It must be done. Imagine the world as a giant structure, a giant house, a beautiful place, a home that you built with your own hands. 
and you live down the road, and everyone else lives in this one structure, and you know that structure's on fire. That's why it must be done. Why? People are going to hell on a rocket. You ever stop and think uh, lately about your family members that are not saved? Now, most of us have a good number of family members that are saved. But don't let that overcomfort you. Let the warning be out there that, hey, you know what? The truth is it must be done. We must tell people about the Lord Jesus Christ. And there's one objective, isn't there? There's only one objective in telling people about the Lord. It's not to grow numerically. It's not so we can have more ministries. And that one objective is to bring someone to Jesus Christ. You know, Bible believers are really bad about this thing. Uh, Bible believers often jump all over people who uh, have the mindset, what we call, often call it there in Bible believers, the Hiles mentality. How many know what I'm talking about? Hiles Anderson is a college that, that majors in soul winning. And Bible believers are critical of that group many times because all they do is win souls and they're, they're not, their uh, doctrine, uh, they might have some doctrine down, but they, they're adults, soul winning, soul winning, soul winning, period. And so a lot of Bible leaders are critical of that. And if you're listening today and, and you know about Hiles, look, I, I'm not going to argue with you. If I want to even spend 30 seconds on it. But here's the thing. It must be done, and the only objective you should have is to bring someone to Jesus Christ. And if we did more of it, guess what? Not only would you have more joy in your life, not only would you have more trouble in your life, but you'd have more pews filled too. I'm not pushing a sales tactic either. The reason our churches don't grow is because we don't win souls. It's kind of like, like one of them topics. Well, you know, maybe the preacher will cover it this year. Maybe he won't. But, man, we ought to be a soul winner. Amen. You ought to have someone in the crosshairs all the time. Then we talked about methods, and this is where we're going to land here again. Methods of soul winning. Methods of telling others. And the first one we spoke about was your personal testimony. Personal testimony. And some of you have a great testimony. You do. Uh, uh, my, I mean, everyone's testimony that's saved is a great testimony. But some of you have a very peculiar testimony because it's peculiar to you, it's interesting to you, and you can reach people with that testimony. How the Lord saved you out of where you were and brought you out of the, either the religion or whatever situation you're in, and you can use your personal testimony for that. And everyone's personal testimony is unique. The second thing we said, methods of telling others, was giving out tracts. Giving out tracts. Now, some of you probably realize this, but in some foreign countries, if a preacher goes over there and takes tracts, they'll mob him. They want him so bad. Well, guess what we found out this summer? A Taos is okay, but a lot of people in Taos don't want a track. Ain't that something? Something free that could give them pleasures forevermore. The riches and goodness of God and give them salvation in heaven, and they don't want it. Isn't that nuts? You say, well, preachers, because they don't understand. You're right. The Bible says uh, that the devil's blinded the mind of them which believe not. Even so, more the reason we ought to give the glorious light of the gospel of Christ, right? And you can give it in a track. Not only that, but uh, here, here's where we're going to pick up today. And this part here, we call it uh, Aikido tactics. <laughs> I don't know if any of y'all are familiar with martial arts. You know, the Karate Kid and all that stuff. You know what Aikido is? It's a form of martial arts that uses the opponent's movements against themselves. 
You ever see that kung fu stuff and someone will come running at you with a bat or something, this guy with this beard this long, you know, this oriental guy will just take one finger and throw him across the room, use his own momentum again. Now, we're not looking to do that to people, amen? But what we're trying to do is we're trying to redirect them around towards salvation when we talk to them. And uh, a lot of people are going to throw you off when you try to witness. You give them a track, some will throw it on the ground, some will throw it away, some will argue with you. Some people just be mad at you because you're happy and they're not. <laughs> Amen. But uh, we'll talk about a keto tactics here. And you got to realize that some conversions, uh, I'm sorry, some conversations, they, they naturally flow into talking about salvation, but most of them don't. When you want to talk to someone about the Lord, it seems they want to talk about everything from football to, you know, the weather, the weather channel or politics or whatever. And sometimes people are shy, aren't they? They're nervous. Uh, people are easily offended in our society. The fact that you're giving them something, they automatically have their guard up, don't they? They don't want nothing to do with it. Some people feel threatened. They feel uneasy. So you've got to use a little bit of caution and wisdom when you deal with them. You've got to make sure you're tactful. Tactful. And we say this, you've got to use common sense. And what is that these days, right? What's common sense? Well, you have to be tactful. And you've got to remember that uh, here's the thing that it's hard for me as a preacher, it's hard for me being raised in a Christian home to think that most people now to the tune of two or more generations were never raised in church. You ever something about that? You're sitting in church and you're faithful here and you, I could throw out terms like salvation and redemption and justification and you're doing all right and uh, repentance, right? But you start talking Bible terminology to people, and you're losing them like a golf ball in high weeds half the time. So when you deal with people, what you have to do is sometimes you have to slow down, be careful that you don't lose them in the word vomit, and you have to be ready to explain whatever you're talking about. Like explain it in simple terms. And uh, you've got to use the language that they'll understand. And uh, you got to remember that when we witness and we tell others about Jesus Christ, which I know you guys understand this, but we're trying to reach them, not confuse them. Trying to reach them. We're trying to reach them, not debate them. You know, the last thing you want to do is get into a biblical debate. Because like we said earlier, if you can argue someone into getting saved, then someone's going to come along and argue them out of getting saved. All right? Not only that, but when you uh, quote or show verses of Scripture... Uh, like we said, you're going to have to define some hard words, maybe. You have to define what they're talking. You know, timing is also very important. You've got to make sure if you are able to knock door to door, and I know not a lot of that's done these days, but when you meet people out on the street or knock on their door or find people uh, at the grocery store or doctor's office, uh, make sure you introduce who you are. Make sure they even know why you're talking to them. Introduce your church. Don't be afraid of your church. Amen? I guess unless you're a lousy member, right? But don't be afraid of your church. Uh, introduce who you are. Introduce, uh, hey, you know what? I'm just inviting people to church. And, of course, you're going to get a lot of responses once you say that. And you might, you might start out the conversation by saying, do you, uh, do you attend church anywhere? And uh, <clears throat> I've done that quite a few times on the street. And, and the key of what we're trying to say here this morning is to try to get some way to turn a conversation around towards salvation. So you can put the here face-to-face with what they actually need, which is Jesus Christ. Uh, so uh, let's talk about just some examples of how to take that conversation and turn it around. It's not a game, but the more you do it, the more you'll get uh, more discernment about it. 
Uh, a lot of times you'll, uh, you'll, someone will say, they'll say this, well, I, uh, I attend church. You ever talk to someone about the Lord and that's the first thing they say? I attend church. <laughs> because after all, you introduce who you are and you say, I'm from Bible Believers Baptist Church and we're just telling people about the Lord and, uh, and just uh, inviting people to, well, I attend church. Well, how in the world do you turn that thing around, right? You just go, well, great. Well, okay, you're good. See you, bye. <laughs> I'll remember, we're trying to turn things around. Uh, here's one way you can do it. You could say this. Well, it's great. It's good to go to church, but the, the reason we go to church is to find out how we can go to heaven. Acknowledge what they said. It's great. That's good. It's good that you go to church, but the reason we go to church is to find out how to go to heaven. Then you follow that thing up and say, by the way, do you know how you could go to heaven when you die? You say, I turn that thing right around. Do the best you can. You know, and you can tell them this. Well, that's great. I'm glad you go to church. I'm glad you attend church. Fantastic. A lot of people attend church, but they're not saved. Are you saved? Again, you're going to deal with, do they even understand what saved means? But you could ask them that. And you just say, do you know for sure that you're going to heaven when you die? <clears throat> they say, I attend church. You say, well, that's fantastic. By the way, just so you know, our church is located here at 21 South Chambers Road. Have you ever heard of Bible Believers Baptist Church? You ever seen that old white country church? Been there like 350,000 years, you know what I mean? Uh, you can't miss it, only seven, eight miles from town there. And uh, has anyone ever told you what a person must do to go to heaven? The, what are you doing? Just redirecting, <clears throat> if you want to be uh, use this about it. We're just turning that thing around, trying to get that conversation turned around on spiritual matters. I guess the important thing you could say is, Keep on target because people are going to throw you. Hence, Aikido tactics. You want to be able to take that conversation, and I guess what they use in psychology would be the word redirect. Redirect. Now, we're not trying to be psychologists. We're trying to be ministers of the gospel of Jesus Christ. So you've got to be able to turn that thing around. And you can't be afraid of it. Uh, you're not always going to get the wording perfect, but it's just important that you start. Have that conversation. Well, I attend church, fantastic. Going to church is great, but we go to church uh, so we can learn how to go to heaven. Has anyone ever told you how to go to heaven? Now, that's getting right to it, isn't it? And you're going to find out real quick whether that person wants to have any more conversation with you or not. And sometimes they'll flush you, and sometimes they'll, they'll, they'll accept it and say, well, you know, well, you know, I, uh, I was on the street one time, and I'll give you an example. And I give this guy a track, and before I could even say a word... He whips her on on his heels, and he says, I'll let you know that I tithe every Sunday. And I was just full of him and vigor that day, and I said, Sir, I don't give a rip whether you give anything you got. I said, I'm here to tell you about Jesus Christ and the riches of God so you can go to heaven when you die. And that guy just, he didn't know what to say. But you're going to have to find a way to get that conversation uh, turned around. Think about it. People have been experts about dodging spiritual questions since the Garden of Eden. So you have to sometimes probe a little bit deeper to get the, with some more questions to get whether or not they're spiritually discerned, see where they're at. Uh, here's some more good, uh, responses. Uh, sometimes they'll come up to you and say, well, uh, you invite them to church, you talk to them about the Lord, and they'll say this, well, you know, I'm a good person. You ever heard someone say that? <laughs> I know what you want to think. Half of you are going to say, well, there's none that doeth good. No, not one. They don't care about that verse. 
But you've got to find a way to get that thing turned back around so you can show them heaven, you can show them their sinful state, and you can present them with Jesus Christ. And uh, so when they say, well, you know, I'm a pretty good person, all you, sometimes you can just go, oh, that's fantastic. But did you know that the Bible says? Great. I'm glad you're a good person, but did you know that the Bible says? And it's at that time you should probably have a couple verses ready. Well, let's look at one, Romans chapter 3, 23. I know most of you know this verse here. Just redirecting that thing around. Well, I'm a pretty good person. Fantastic. But did you know that the Bible says in Romans 3.23, for all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. That's a good one to give them. When someone says, you know, uh, but I'm, I'm, a, I'm a good person, you can give them 1 John 1.8. You might want to jot these down. 1 John 1.8 says, if we say that we have no sin, we deceive ourselves and the truth is not in us. Well, you know, I'm really a good person. I, I haven't hurt anybody. Well, that's great. But did you know the Bible says, if we say that we have no sin, we deceive ourselves and the truth is not in us? And you're going to immediately figure out whether or not they even want to hear what the Bible has to say. That's a good tactic. Just get that thing flipped around, acknowledge what they said. You know, and then say, that's good. Well, did you know what the Bible says? How about this one? How about James 2.10? Well, you know, I'm a pretty good person. I'm okay. Oh, that's fantastic. But did you know the Bible says in James chapter 2, verse 10? Uh, I just had it memorized. I lost it here. Yeah, for whosoever shall keep the whole law and yet offend in one point, he is guilty of all. You see how the Ten Commandments come up again? And you've, you've broken one of the Ten Commandments before, right? You swore. You've done something. You took the Lord's name in vain. And they'll kind of look down. And that verse right there says, whosoever should keep the whole law yet, yet offend in one point, he's guilty of all. You say, what are you doing? Redirecting, getting them back to the fact that they're a sinner. Well, I'm a good person. Okay, that's fantastic. But did you know the Bible says? And give them the verses. Amen? How about this one, this response? Well, I do the best I can. I've asked people before if they're, they've ever trusted Jesus Christ. Uh, sometimes I've been careless with my terminology with people. I'll ask them if they're saved. And you can tell right away they have no idea what the word saved means. And they'll say, well, I'm baptized. You say, what does that mean? Well, that means like $2.99 a pound. Don't mean nothing at all. <laughs> Are you saved? $2.99 a pound. <laughs> what does it mean? Nothing. Uh, and they'll say this, well, I try to do the best I can. And uh, you might say something like this. Well, I can understand how you feel, but did you realize the best you can do is not good enough? You know, when I was selling ice cream, when someone was upset at me or someone was complaining about something, uh, one of the things they told us to do is uh, to say, look, I, I know how you feel. Nine times out of ten, I did. If they said, hey, your vegetables are terrible, I would agree with some of it. <laughs> now, if they said your rocky road is terrible, I knew they was a liar, Amen. <laughs> Just kidding, but anyways, but you say, oh, I understand how you feel, but did you realize that the best you could do is not good enough? And just a little bit of common sense or a little bit of discernment. You don't, you, you don't kick them, but yet you give them the truth. I understand where you're coming from, but the best you got, did you realize that's not good enough? And they'll kind of look at you like a calf looking at a new gate until they think about something else to say. And if uh, the best you can do is not good enough, you just follow it up with something like this. 
Actually, what you need is Jesus Christ. And, uh, and the, the best thing you can do is receive Jesus Christ. Have you ever received Jesus Christ? You say, I just try to take that thing and turn it back around. To they need the Lord. And then if you're going to tell them they need to receive Jesus Christ, you give them some scripture. Let me just give you a couple verses here. Psalm 39.5. You see, we're reading your Bible, studying your Bible, taking some notes, maybe having some verses on some note cards. It's going to help you when you tell others about Jesus Christ. Psalm chapter 39, verse 5, uh, David says, Behold, thou hast made my days as an handbreadth, and mine age is as nothing before thee. Verily, every man at his best state is altogether vanity. You say, why'd you give that verse? Well, I do the best I can. Well, that's great, but did you know the Bible says? Man at his best state is altogether vanity. The best you got ain't good enough. And you've got to find a way to say that so they'll listen to you and go the next step with it. How about this one? You know this one, Romans chapter 3, verse 10. They say, well, you know, uh, I do the best I can. I know you're trying to get me to talk about Jesus and go to that church, but, you know, I'm okay. I do the best I can. Well, I understand how you feel, but you realize the Bible says that is written. There's none that doeth good, no, not one. <laughs> you know? Now, if they say, are you calling me a liar? No, I'm just telling you what the Bible says. I didn't write that book. It's okay to defer because <laughs> you didn't write the book, amen? Uh, how about this one, John 3, 16 to 19, if you're going to tell them that, uh, the best thing they can do is receive Jesus Christ. Give them John 3, 16 and 19. You know that. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, uh, that whosoever believeth in him should not perish but have everlasting life. Uh, how's it go? For uh, God sent not a son into the world to condemn the world, but that the world through him might be saved. Amen. So forth and so on. How about this one? I'm running out of room already. That's all right. <coughs> You tell them about the Lord, and they'll say, well, I attend church, or I'm a good person, I can do the best I can. How about this? They'll say this. Oh, you go to church? Well, uh, I'm a Catholic. <laughs> you better get ready. Right? Now, my experience uh, with Roman Catholics, and this has meant no disrespect, because Baptists are just the same. They're either a very, very educated Roman Catholic or they're not. There's no in-between. It's they know, they either know the old faith, the old dogma, the old tradition, the old ways, or they just say they go and they never win. That's, what, that's my experience, man. But they'll say, I'm a Catholic or, uh, you know, I'm a Presbyterian. Uh, they'll say, uh, or I'm an Episcopalian or whatever it is. You're trying to invite someone to church and they say, well, I'm a Catholic. Immediately, you're kind of shot down, aren't you? Because you figure they're not going to come to church. Or they're not going to want to talk about the Lord. <clears throat> but uh, here, here's, here's a good response. Great. Catholics need to be saved too. You ever hear about that shoe salesman that went over to Africa? Got off the plane? There's two of them, actually. One got off the plane and go, saw the natives run around. Naked as the day they were born. He goes, ha! Oh, no shoes. The other guy get off the plane and goes, no shoes. You see what I mean? It's all about perspective. Someone could tell you they're a Catholic, a Presbyterian, a Southern Baptist. I, I don't know, Wiscopalian or, you know, whatever it is. They are Mormon or a, a Jehovah Witness. You're probably not going to run into many of those. They're knocking on your door anyways. Uh, and, and you could say, well, that's great. Catholics need to be saved too. That's great. Presbyterians need to be saved too. 
and just go back at it from that angle. They might not even understand, and they might just listen to you. See what I mean? What is that? Just trying to redirect, get that thing back around towards the Lord. Uh, how about this response? Say, well, I'm a Catholic, I'm a Presbyterian, I'm an Episcopalian, or, or whatever the fire I am. I, we were, uh, uh, me and a friend of mine, we were witnessing one time, we were in Lufton. And we went down this road, and I'd been going to that church probably about 10 years. And uh, I was going to Bible Baptist Church of Lufton at that time. Knocked on the door, nice people came to the door. I said, hey, how you doing? We're just out inviting people to church. Oh, we go to church? I said, Really? He said, yeah, we're Baptists. I said, praise the Lord. I said, are you saved? Yeah, we're saved. I said, where do you go to church? He said, Bible Baptist Church of Lupton. I said, well, that's fine. I've been there 10 years. I haven't seen you once. <laughs> Anyways, that's not how to win the Lord. They're already saved. But the point is, you say, something you might do is uh, if they say they're a Catholic or a Presbyterian or a Baptist, you might say, well, are you a saved Baptist? Are you a saved Catholic? Are you a saved Presbyterian? What are you doing? I'm not trying to debate any doctrine with them. I just want to know if they're saved. That's it. And I'm just trying to use that idea of a keto to redirect the conversation back around to where it needs to go. That's all I'm trying to do. <clears throat> well, how about this one? You talk to them about the Lord. You talk to them about church. And sometimes they'll do this. Well, I hope I make it to heaven. I hope I make it. witness to a number of people, I'm not saying that because I'm Mr. You know, spiritual, but a number of people that I've witnessed to, I'll say, if you're dying today, where would you spend eternity? And they'll say this, well, I hope I make it to heaven. So what are you going to do? I hope you do too. <laughs> well, you want to turn the thing around the best way you can. And I know this is interaction, and some of us are real good at it. Some of you are real solid at it, and some of you are you're like, Yes, I'll take my cabin on this side of glory and leave me the world alone. Amen? But you've got to figure out a way to turn that thing around. And they'll, if they say, well, I hope I make it to heaven, you know a good thing you could tell them? Well, I'll tell you what. The Bible can show you exactly how you can go to heaven. I'd like to show you. I told you this story, I think, last, uh, uh, last week. But got to this, and this fellow said, I hope I make it to heaven. I said, if I take that Bible in three minutes, show you how you could know for sure you could be saved and go to heaven, would you let me show you? And he looked at me and says, I got three minutes. <laughs> but you just want to try to get that thing turned around. Well, I hope it make it to heaven. Well, you know that the Bible says that you can know for sure that heaven can be your home. And they'll probably say, if they're honest, I didn't know it. And that gives you another opportunity to go one more step with them. And, uh, and of course... Uh, a good verse for that is 1 John 5.13. We often use that as assurance of salvation. But that's a great verse to show them how they can know for sure. Because 1 John 5.13 says, These things have I written unto you, right? That believe in the name of the Son of God, that ye may know that you have eternal life. I really am glad that my salvation isn't based on feeling. Because there's a few feelings I had this week that were not gas or indigestion, and they sure weren't Christian, amen? <laughs> I know I'm saved. And you can help someone else know they're saved too. Another great verse you can show them is John 5, 24. You know, one of the greatest concepts, I know it sounds super simple, one of the greatest concepts you can't forget is you can never be told no if you don't ask. And, of course, we're talking about talking to people about the Lord. I'm not talking about anything else. 
that you can never be told no. You can never be shot down if you don't ask. And it's our job to tell others. John 5, 24, the Bible says, Verily, verily, I say unto you, He that heareth my word and believeth on him that sent me hath everlasting life. Boy, it sounds like you can know, doesn't it? Did you realize that I can take the Bible and show you in literally one and a half minutes that you can know for sure how to go to heaven? You wouldn't mind if I did that, would you? And they're like, I don't know how to respond to that. Yeah, go ahead. <laughs> how about this one? You'll run into this one. I'm out of space, but I'm just making a mess anyway. It doesn't matter. Um, you've got into conversations with people before that are churched, and you're inviting them out to church, and they'll say this. Well, there's too many hypocrites in the church. Or where this church has stood for a number of years, You'll tell them where you go to church, and they'll say this. I used to go there. There's too many hypocrites there. Now what are you going to do? Remember, you're trying to witness about the Lord Jesus Christ, and just because they came to this location doesn't even mean they're saved. You've got to try to find and do the Nehemiah prayer, like, okay, now what am I going to do, Lord? <laughs> Help me out here. What am I going to do? Too many hypocrites in the church. What should be your response? Well, you could agree with them. Do you think there's any hypocrites in the church? Well, sure, but there's hypocrites in Walmart, too. There's people in Walmart that don't pay their bills. There's people in Walmart that don't pay their taxes. But you still go there. Now, I wouldn't argue with them on it. But you might say this, well, I understand how you feel. Let me ask you this question. Is Jesus a hypocrite? Because Jesus is the one that you have to believe on to be saved. Turn that thing around to the spotless, sinless Son of God. Understand how you feel. Totally agree with you. There are too many hypocrites in the church. But Jesus Christ is the one that you have to believe on. Is he a hypocrite? And just drop it. Kind of like drop it like it's hot, they say. And most people are not going to call Jesus Christ a hypocrite. I'm just saying that's just something you can do to direct. Too many hypocrites in the church. Hey, totally agree with you. That's a bad deal right there, ain't it? I know a few got their names and numbers, right? But you know what? Is Jesus a hypocrite? Because he's the one that you have to believe on. Just give him something else to think about. The Bible says there in 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 22, talking about Jesus Christ, who did no sin, neither was guile found in his mouth. The Bible declares Jesus Christ to be the sinless Son of God. He was no hypocrite. Hebrews chapter 7.26 talks about our high priest, Jesus Christ. Hebrews 7.26, another verse, talks about how sinless he is and how he wasn't a hypocrite. But I've heard that one a few times. Not too many, but a few. Especially if you talk to someone, you run into someone who might be familiar with church. Uh, if they're bent out of shape for some reason, within about two minutes, you're going to know what they're bent out of shape about. And you're going to know all the background and who it was that hurt them and how they got hurt, right, and how they went off the rails and how, see what I mean? It's just our job just to get that thing back on track towards the Lord Jesus Christ. And so uh, you can say, yeah, I understand how you feel. I agree, there's too many hypocrites in the church, but Jesus Christ isn't a hypocrite. No, of course, we gave you the instance about the grocery store. There's hypocrites at the grocery stores, but it doesn't stop you from going. I use this one. You ever got some bad product from the grocery store? Moldy bread? Something that was bad? Milk go bad? 
you quit going to the store? You took it back. <laughs> right? You just take it back. Uh, how about this one? Here's a response. You say, uh, well, my daddy's a preacher. <laughs> Hang on. <laughs> my daddy's a preacher or my daddy's a deacon or, you know, my mother's a preacher, whatever. <laughs> and you, they'll throw that at you like, that's the wild card. You know, that's the ticket to heaven. Dad was a preacher, you know. <laughs> I generally see the other way around. How about, so how, what are you going to respond? Well, you know, uh, you're inviting him to church. You're trying to talk to him about the Lord. Well, you know, my daddy was a preacher at the Southern Baptist Church there down the road. Uh, my ba- daddy was a Methodist preacher. What does that mean? Buck 59 a pound. It don't mean nothing. Remember, you're trying to talk to him about the Lord. How about this? Here's a good response. Well, that's great. You might ask him when their dad was a preacher, where they preached at. But just get back on track and say, well, you've got to realize that salvation is personal. And just tell them this, you do realize that God doesn't have any grandchildren. Why? But as many as received him, to them gave you power to become the, the grandsons. The sons of God. The Lord has no grandchildren. That's a pretty powerful thought. That means that every son has to receive him. Your daddy being a preacher, your daddy being a deacon, your mom being whatever in the world she was... Got her name on every pew in the church. It ain't going to get you into heaven. You just got to find a way to get that thing turned around. <clears throat> and sometimes you'll talk to them and they'll say, well, that's great. I appreciate you inviting me to church. And, you know, this whole talk about Jesus is real swell. But, you know what, I'm not ready to be saved. Have any witnessed to somebody and got that far with them? I'm curious. A couple times. It's kind of like a kick in the gut, isn't it? It's a gut punch. Why? Because you really want people to trust Jesus Christ as your Savior, don't you? You don't want to go through that whole thing and go, you know, up your nose. (laughs) It's just, I'm not ready to be saved. Can I say this? It's okay. I mean, think about when you got saved. Did you get saved the very first time you heard the gospel? Some of you heard it, had to hear it multiple times, didn't you? I'm not ready to be saved. And here... And your pastor's opinion, you've got to be careful. You've got to be careful. <clears throat> you might say this, well, I can understand how you feel, but you better not put it off. Why? Because you could die and go to hell at any minute. That's just laying it on them, ain't that? Bible says there in 2 Corinthians chapter 6, verse 2, it says, For he saith, I have heard thee in a time accepted. And in the day of salvation have I succored thee. Behold, now is the accepted time. Behold, now is the day of salvation. 2 Corinthians 6.2. It's really good to have some scripture handy and ready. And see, the, if you can start making a list of these verses on note cards and start review, just review them daily. Even if your memory isn't that great, you just start reviewing. I'm telling you, you start dealing with people about the Lord. The Lord will pull the phrases out of those passages that you need. And the Holy Spirit will do that at the right time. I say, I don't think I'm ready to be saved. Well, I can understand how you feel, but you better not put it off any longer. Because if you die without Jesus Christ, the Bible says you'll spend eternity in a place called hell. How about this one? I'm out of room. I'm not going to try to scribble anymore. How about this one? You deal with someone about the Lord and invite them to church, and they'll say this, I've done too many bad things. If I go in there, lightning will strike me. I've heard that before. I've heard that more than probably I've heard anything else. Well, lightning will strike me if I go to church. Chuckle, chuckle. 
say, what am I going to say to that? Well, the forecast is sunny and 70. You're going to be all right. <laughs> well, you may say, well, I can understand that, but, you know, God wants you to just come as you are. You have to come as, he, as you are. You can't come in self right You just come as you are. Think about it. You've got to tell them, look, I understand how you feel, but you're going to have to come as you are. You'll never be clean enough for God. Right? So what if this lost person, he cleans up his life, he goes to rehab, he quits his dope and he quits his drink and he quits, you know, spending money uh, on Amazon when he should be paying bills or whatever that means anymore and he's not, you know, playing the lottery or whatever. He's still a sinner headed to hell, right? I'm just saying, look, God wants you to come as you are and you'll never be clean enough for God. He's the only one that can forgive you. And you give them uh, Isaiah 118. What's that verse? Uh, Come now, let us reason together. Though your sins be as scarlet, they should be as wool. Right? So forth and so on. Another response you'll get from somebody, uh, you know, I don't think I could come to church. The lightning will strike me. How about this one? Well, I don't believe the Bible. You ever get that one? I don't believe the Bible. Every once in a while I'll get this, I don't believe the Bible. The Bible is written by men stuff. And immediately when... You go down that, you know it's going to be an interesting conversation because you're dealing with an agnostic. You're dealing with someone who's intelligent. You know, I'm glad the Lord did not make me intelligent. <laughs> Thanks, sis. You don't say that so loud. <laughs> because usually people who are extremely intelligent, it goes to their cotton-picking head. And someone told them they were smart, and they believed it. And so what if somebody says, you know, uh, I don't believe the Bible. That's just a bunch of stuff written by men. What in the world are you going to say? Well, you might say, well, I'm sorry to hear that, but it doesn't really matter whether you believe it or not. It's still true. That's tough, ain't it? And you're going to have to realize if you're dealing with, a, if you're dealing with someone who's tender to your conversation, you don't want to be a jerk to them. If you're dealing with someone who's proud, arrogant, and rude, you might have to stick them. Right? The book of Jude says... You save some with fear, pulling them out of the fire, right? You put them right over hell, and some you have compassion, and you make the difference. Some having compassion. Make, so you've got to figure out, who am I dealing with? Am I dealing with someone who's going to listen to me? Or if I'm, am I dealing with just some argumentative jerk, okay, well, then just, all right, look, man, it doesn't matter what you believe. The Bible's true whether you believe it or not. When they say, I don't believe the Bible, maybe you could say, uh, well, I know that's your opinion, but let me tell you what. I did, and it works. Turn it right around. I believe the Bible. I got to say April 24th, 1983. It's the best life ever. You might tell them, well, Jesus believed the Bible. Was he a liar? Just some things you can say to turn the thing around. And uh, those are just, just, are just some things that people are going to tell you. And, of course, uh, the response is... Uh, the other common response is this, get off my porch. <laughs> say, what do I do with that? Get off their porch, amen. But they'll say, I attend church or I'm a good person. A lot of them say, uh, well, I've been baptized, right? And you've got to be able to expect that when it comes, do the best you can. Ask the Lord for wisdom on that thing so you can take whatever they tell you and with wisdom not being a jerk again, right? Turn the thing around, say, I'm glad you got baptized. But did you realize... But the Bible says, except a man be born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. 
So when you're dealing with somebody, uh, those are just some common responses. But what I'd like to take just a minute here to do, and I want to talk about the important topic of sin and hell. The important topic of sin and hell. I've listened to a number of people deal with people, other people who are lost about salvation. And in a desire to convert somebody, in a desire to win a soul, many times, if you're not careful, you'll confuse them. And you'll try to talk someone into getting saved without getting lost first. My wife's been a Sunday school teacher for probably um, at least almost 30 years now. And uh, she's told me from time to time, well, the young'un's there. They don't think they're lost yet. And uh, it's not until that person realizes they're lost before they can get saved. If you don't think you're lost, why do you need to get saved? If you don't see yourself as headed for hell, why would you want heaven? Would you like to go to heaven when you die? No. Why not? Because you don't realize you're going to hell. And if you don't think you're going to hell, you can offer me heaven, but I don't want it. Do you realize that Jesus loves you? If that's all you tell them, that's a partial truth. Do you realize that Jesus loves you? If you don't tell them that God is angry with the wicked every single day, that person's thinking, well, he loves you, he loves me. I don't need what you've got. You've got to give them both sides, and that's the important topic of sin and hell. You have to, you have to, a person has to realize they're a sinner before they can be saved. A person has to realize they're going to hell, and it's our job not only to present Jesus Christ, but to be able to communicate those things to them. There are a couple answers you can expect when you're dealing with someone with about sin and hell, though someone will say, well, yes, I know that I'm going to heaven. And you'll come across people that are sure that they're saved, and you'll hear some more honest people. They say, well, I think I would go to hell. You've heard people say that before. They'll say this. Some are more honest. Well, after what I've done, I'll be in hell with my buddies. They're shoveling coal or something. And, uh, and then a lot of people are just like, I don't know. And they'll say this. Well, how can you know? I've had people say that. Well, how can you know? And I'm like, that's exactly what I wanted to hear. But before a person is ready to be saved, they must know that they're lost. Didn't you realize you were lost before you got saved? Didn't you realize that you were headed to hell on a rocket and needed Jesus Christ? I didn't say you understood all the doctrines of salvation and you understood all this, that, and the other. But if you ask a person where they think they would be if they died, you're going to get those answers. And uh, here's, a, here's some good questions to ask to see if the person understands his condition uh, before God. There's some questions you should probably come back and ask that person. How about this one? Do you think you're good enough to make it to heaven? We're trying to see if they're lost. If they don't know if they're saved, you say, well, do you think you're good enough to make it to heaven? How about this one? Where do you think you'd go if you died right now? You know, some of the old way of witnessing was this. Uh, if you were to die today, where would you spend eternity? Now, that's like putting them in the bus and dropping it off the cliff. Well, here's the thing that you have to be careful of. How many people today know what the word eternity even means? Is that fair enough? We're not getting smarter, right? How about this? If you were to die today, where would you be? And someone say, well, I'd be dead. Okay. Well, where would you be after death? In the graveyard. And then you'd have to entertain the other question. That death is only just the beginning. 
How about this one? Uh, you might, you're going to ask them when you're dealing with them about the Lord, do you think you're, do you think you're a sinner? You've got to ask them straight up. Do you think you're a sinner? Have you ever done anything wrong? And if they don't think they have, well, they're not lost. How about this one? Uh, do you think you deserve to go to hell? See, some people think they're sinners, but they don't think they've sinned enough to go to hell. You say, why? Well, just the way they've been brought up, just the way they think, just the way television mocks everything. So that's the important topic of, of sin and hell that will stop right there. And the thing that you have to realize when you're dealing with someone about the Lord is two things. Number one, a man has to be lost before he can be saved. He has to realize he's lost before salvation. And number two, a man has to realize he's going to hell. Now, if you can't get a fellow to those place, two places right there, he's not ready to trust Jesus Christ as a Savior. He's got to realize he's lost, and he's got to realize that he's going to hell. And he's going to hell because of his own sin. So let's stop right there, and we'll finish up this whole, whole set of lessons next week here. But that's the importance of sin, that topic of sin and hell.